do think it's important that the customer can realize that they can maintain that machine themselves and we want to provide whatever resources we can to keep them going. Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Make and Decorate podcast. This is episode 44, originally published on February 20th, 2020. 02202020. <laughs> oh, it's funny when you, you, know, you realize the, the date numbers go in a specific order. Uh, so like even... Um, in planning like my wedding date, it was 2001. So, and it was October. So it was 102001. <laughs> so uh, just oh ones and twos in that one. I want to start the episode by thanking again, Sophia um, from the last episode and her uh, subscribers. I received a lot of very nice comments from her viewers and uh, thank you so much. I'm glad that you listened and I hope that you continue to uh, subscribe and listen to this podcast. Let's just talk about podcast stats for a second. So when I look at the podcast uh, stats of my host provider, uh, they give, of course, the number of downloads, listens, um, and locations. And it's unreal that I have listeners from about 53 countries around the world. It's amazing. So when I am feeling down and tired and wondering and saying, oh, nobody's listening. Well, yes, you are listening. <laughs> and in 50 countries, 50 plus countries. So thank you. Thank you. And it's just, yeah, you know, it, there may only be one listener from, let's say, Croatia, but that's a listener and halfway around the world. It just blows my mind. It really, really does. And I guess it's just because this kind of technology wasn't around when I was growing up. So to think that you can easily communicate with someone around the globe is just amazing to me. Um, and, and it's so easy. So like when I did the uh, recording with Juliet and, and she was in New Zealand and here I am here in Chicago it's just when you think about it, wow, that is so cool. So yeah, anyway, um, I just I just wanted to let you guys know that um, I appreciate um, everyone who listens. And if you just share the podcast with one person, it'll continue to grow. And don't forget to check out my Patreon page. It is a page where you can help support the podcast by subscribing. And it starts off at $3 a month, uh, which ends up being $36 a year. And you get an extra episode of the podcast every month. It's a bonus episode. All right. So let's talk about this quilt that I just made. In under a week, let me tell you, that's just like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, okay? Under a week, a quilt for me is just not my jam. It is stressful. 
And <laughs> even though I thought I picked out a very simple pattern, um, it's never that simple now, is it? Uh, so I thought, oh, you know, there's not like, you don't have to piece any blocks together. You just have to piece like three pieces of the background and it's just applique pieces you fuse onto there and then you put it all together as you quilt it. Well, okay, miscalculated the, the time that it takes to cut out all of those shapes of the, all those pieces and, um, just uh, outline, like, first of all, uh, attaching them. You see, I'm already stuttering just from reliving the stress of it all. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, it was a lot more work than I had anticipated. Um, but and there were late nights and literally there was blood sweat and tears producing this quilt. The blood was when I snipped my finger with the scissors and blood started going everywhere. <sighs> and yeah, I was sweating under the deadline pressure and I was crying the night before the party <laughs> when I was quilting it. So um, yeah, it was crazy. It really, really was. But you know what? It was worth it because this was a gift for um, our aunt, my husband's aunt, who just turned 95. So there was a big party for her. And I just, you know how you get this feeling and you're just like, yeah, this, this has got to happen. Like she needs this quilt. And I'm so glad that I did. Um, she loved it. Everyone there, I did not expect this reaction. I don't, you know, I don't know. I I just don't. Like when you're so into the process and, you know, all of us, when, you know, we're to, like in our community, we just know so much about quilting and we know what to look for. And all we can think about is, oh, that's an error. Oh, that's a mistake. And um, no one else does. Like my husband's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, this is amazing work. And, um, yeah, so it just made me feel really good to get the reaction that I got. And that the fact that, you know, our aunt knew that this was a very special gift and appreciated this handmade, handmade gift. So, um, yeah, it overall, it really, it really worked out well. I just think that next time I will need just a little more time <laughs> to produce a quilt like that. Um, but uh, yeah, in fact, you know, the morning of the party, I was still finishing up and doing the binding. And then in the car, I was hand stitching the rest of the label onto the quilt. But it was done the second we walked in the door of the party. <laughs> um so uh, also, I wanted to tell you that I used sil a silk blend batting for the first time. And it is really nice. I like the silk batting. It's like a silk bamboo blend. And it is very easy to quilt. And it, it does have a very nice drape. It's soft. 
Um, and yeah, I like the fact that it's natural fibers. So I definitely will quilt with that again. In fact, I want one of my bed quilts to have that. Um, I think I might even do a double layer like of wool and then that silk batting, but we'll see. But it, it's beautiful and I love it. Um, and you should try it. Do you guys listen to the Hobbies Up to Here podcast with Dory and Katie? Uh, they uh, just uh, released an episode last week. And uh if you do listen to them, you know that in starting in March, they are discontinuing the Hobbies Up to Here podcast. And um, I think they are going to come back with a new podcast under a new name and new topics. But anyway, on this episode, they were talking about stressful hobbies and relaxing activities. And I... um. I wanted to kind of piggyback on that because I was thinking about it and um, I, I, <laughs> there are parts of our hobbies that uh, can be stressful. I just talked about this quilt and when I, you time crunch it in an impossible time frame, it's stressful. Um, but um, I thought about it and I did come up with some, some things that um, had been stressful for me in some of my hobbies and uh, what I've done uh, incorporating relaxing activities. So, all right, I with machine embroidery, um, you all know that I don't like a lot of thread changes because it's stressful. <laughs> I don't like it. And um, I was working on uh, a commission order of machine embroidered napkins and we're going along just fine. And then about halfway through, of course, the machine starts acting up and I cannot get it to stitch out correctly. Um, big thread nests and, you know, you go through the whole checklist of um, changing the needle, re-threading, checking out the bobbin, making sure that everything's okay, checking for stray threads under the um, feed dog plate, cleaning it out, oiling it, everything. I did everything. <laughs> and it still wasn't working until I realized it was a bad bobbin. And most of you guys won't have this issue of a bad bobbin because uh uh, most of the bobbins are like little plastic um, spools or um, on the Juki and mechanical machines, they are metal spools. However, on the Bernina machines, they have this bobbin. Now, I love the bobbin size because it's giant. It's It's like you know, double the, triple the amount of thread that are on standard bobbins. That is the great plus about their bobbins. The minus is there is mirrors. So they're like rectangle um, shapes that go around one side of that bobbin and they're mirrors and they're sensors and um, all of the stuff. So I think it's what senses with bobbin, you know, let you know when the bobbin's out or something like that. But anyway, those um, can get worn down, they can wear off, or there can just be a defective 
bobbin because of those. And um, I didn't really think about it right away until I was at my wits end. And then I switched the bobbin and tried another one. And then the machine worked perfectly. Oh my gosh. Ah, so stressed. I could not believe it. A bad bobbin. It caused that much turmoil (laughs) in the middle of a project. So there's one stressful part of the hobby. And uh, another situation was just last week when I was free motion quilting and I was using cross round thread and they always say cross wound threads work best when they are put on that horizontal spool holder. Well, not on my machine. Again, I could not figure out why I was getting the thread nests underneath the quilt. And I switched that to a vertical spool holder. And voila, it free motion quilted beautifully. So again, all this troubleshooting. So the more you get to know your machines, the quicker that I can identify the issues. And that one I did kind of identify quicker than the bad bobbin issue with the uh, machine embroidery. I think like no matter what hobby you do, there can be a certain level of stress. But in the long run, though, it's just still a challenge. And uh it is fulfilling um, if you love it. So if you're doing a hobby that you don't love, then um, like for instance, with the machine embroidery, I don't mind the single thread color, um, you know, stitch outs, but I just, I don't like to do machine embroidery um, let's say that it's not going to be my main thing because it's just not my favorite thing at all, really. So, um, yeah, but like, as opposed to quilting, I love quilting. I'm passionate about quilting and that is going to be staying in my life for as long as it, as I possibly can. Uh, however, I have found a relaxing activity and I talked about it a little bit, um, in other episodes, Oh, wait, 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 hold on. I do have to talk about this really quickly. When I was making the quilt last week, I was able to use one of my Christmas gifts for the first time. And uh, for Christmas, I got the uh, Cricut heat press, the nine inch by nine inch size. And um, someone had reminded me that I could use it to um, adhere um, to fuse stabilizer or fusible web onto fabrics like for bag making. And so because of these applique pieces, they needed the fusible web um, ironed on to, to those pieces as well. So um, I I apply the um, fusible to just um, the bigger parts of the fabric before um, they're cut out. That way it's a lot easier than trying to cut out the f- stabilizer, the shape of the the um, fusible, the applique. So this heat press is truly amazing. I love it. And it makes fusing on the fusible web so easy 
and talk about relaxing. That was like the most relaxing part of this whole quilt process. It was fun. I don't know if it's just the novelty of a new toy, but uh, you you don't have to worry about how long you're pressing down an iron and, you know, having to move it six million times to get the whole surface, you know, because the shape of an iron goes to a, a triangle point. And this heat press is a completely square. So, uh, yeah, it works like a dream. So um, if you do applique, a lot of applique or bag making, this is a really, I would say, essential tool. And um, you can uh, set the temperature and the a number of seconds that it um, presses and then it counts it down. So it's timer. So you don't even have to worry about it. You just press it down and I press start and then the, the timer goes down. And usually it's like, I think I used it for seven to 10 seconds. Um, and uh, it fuses beautifully because nothing peels back. It was just a dream. And I had so much fun using that heat press. So I just wanted to, to let you guys know. Um, you, you, I'm late to that game. I mean, this heat press has been out for a while. But in case you don't have one yet, and you were wondering how you could use it or incorporate it into your quilt game, this is how you can do it. Um, there's also a little mini size one and it's not that expensive. And um, I've said this before, but I know quilters like to use that one to press seams open of their patchwork piecing. All right, back to uh, what I was talking about before with the relaxing activities. But I have been dabbling in watercolor painting and it's something that I've always wanted to do anyway. Just, I mean, I've been a crafter since I was a kid. I've, I tried so many crafts. I was doing everything as a kid. I did card making as a kid. Um, so I just love all that stuff and it's very relaxing for me. And, um, the, this watercolor painting is just very relaxing and, for whatever reason, I just, I don't feel like I have to be perfect with it right now. I know I'm a beginner and it's a different set of skills. It's a different part of the brain you use. And um, it just feels so creative. You know, you're painting with a paintbrush and you're mixing colors and water and, you know, just getting this, this um, beautiful color on this uh, watercolor paper. So um, it's fun. I am enjoying learning. You know, that's the other thing too. I love to learn. So I am enjoying learning a new um, art. And uh, <laughs> this is kind of a funny thing because um, I've been watching a million watercolor uh, YouTube videos and um, I learned a new term. And uh, it was someone had said fugitive, fugitive paint color. And I was like, what? Fugitive? <laughs> what's, who's, what's a fugitive paint color? But um, it's cool. So the fugitive paint color means that um, that color is very low on a light, fast scale. So in watercolors, um, a lot of times they are character judged by their level of light fastness, which means how fast that they will fade. And um, professional watercolors are going to be very high um, on the light fast scale. Like I think a number eight is super high. Um, 
And so, but a fugitive paint color, and one of those is um, the Alizarian red. Uh, it's like a crimsony type red color. That color fades over time. And uh, they showed the Van Gogh painting. The one, the everybody has seen this painting, I think. It's the Van Gogh with the, um, there's the room with the bed, and there's a window with some curtains. So, um they, they, whoever these experts, art experts, um, studied it, and they have determined that the color um, on that painting used to be much more vibrant and red versus this, like, it's very blue on the background and stuff. So um, I just found that really interesting and fascinating. So, hey, you learned something new today too. Fugitive paint color. It will fade. <laughs> um, all right. So this episode is publishing right as QuiltCon Austin 2020 is beginning. So if you guys are on the road, Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous of you, but I wish you a very, very happy time at QuiltCon. It's just, I'm going to follow the hashtag QuiltCon2020, and um, I'm just going to enjoy it from vicariously from your photographs and your videos and however else I can, you know, get info from the QuiltCon show. Um, I looked at all of the, you know, information and all the class schedules and everything. And it just all looks so wonderful. Victoria Finlay Wolf is going to be there and Krista Watson and Heidi Parks is going to be there. And she posted on Instagram that she's going to be teaching yoga classes every morning. So, oh, it sounds like so, so much fun. So everyone that's going, enjoy. And I know you're going to enjoy, but I'm just you know, cheers. Okay. Cheers to you. All right. So my guest on the show today is Christian Henry, and he is part of a family owned business. Um, they're based out of Idaho and his parents, uh, founded this company and it's called the featherweight shop. Um, there's probably a lot of you, especially if you, have a Singer Featherweight machine, uh, you probably know about the Featherweight shop. And uh, so I got the opportunity to talk with uh, Christian and we had a great conversation. It's very informative. And if you were ever um, curious or interested in a Featherweight machine, but just didn't feel like you had enough information um, or just, you know, didn't know what the hype was about. Uh, this is going to be a good um, episode for you. I do have a featherweight machine and uh, I found out about this machine once I started quilting because a lot of quilters love this machine and it has become like a quilter's collectible. <laughs> but not only quilters, um, I, a lot of people who just sew apparel love the machine as well. And they, um, they like to actually collect the, um, 222 Singer Weight Featherweight, Singer Featherweight machine, which has the free arm. Um, so that's really great for doing sleeves and, you know, baby clothes and stuff like that. So, 
I hope you enjoy the episode. And here we go. Today, we are talking featherweights. And my guest is part of a family run business called the featherweight shop, Christian Henry. Hi, Christian, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me. So uh, we'll get into your family business in a second, but I think uh, let's talk about defining exactly what a featherweight machine is. Okay. Okay. So the featherweight was um, sort of revolutionary to the sewing machine industry. It was fashioned after the GE Sew Handy machine. Um, And the featherweight was first made in 1933 and most every machine, even the GE so handy, as small as it was, most all machines during that area, that during that era were made of cast steel, but the featherweight was made of cast aluminum. So it was much lighter. A lot of Singer's other machines were 25, 30 pounds, but the featherweight was about 11 pounds. And it came in a small case, so it's easy to carry to your quilt guild or meeting or um, take to a friend's house for a sew night. And it was very, very reliable, still is. It's made with all metal parts on the inside. So the gears rarely ever wear out and it makes a perfect stitch. It's amazing even today how it the stitch it makes is not even comparable to the current plastic machines. The stitch is far superior. Right. And the machines, and they can be worked on by the, um, by the regular sewer. They're very easy to maintain as well. Yeah, that's great. I mean, these machines really have withstood the test of time. I mean, from 1933, we're in 2020. and, and, And for some people, the featherweight machine is their primary sewing machine. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, just a couple of things just that I've noticed is that there there are a couple of collect, you know, some people just buy them to collect them. Um, and there's a few features that they I, I've noticed that they, they look for. One of them is like the Centennial machine because that had like a special uh-huh. little plate on it. And that one came out in 1951. Right. Mm hmm. And then yep, 1951 was Singer's 100 year anniversary. Okay. Yeah. So that one, I know that, that people try to look for. And then um, the different decorative metal, I don't know what they're called, stitch plates, but it's on the side of the machine. The badge. The badge, I think. Oh, ba- badge? Right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because some of them have that really pretty scroll design. Oh, that is the, that's what's called the face plate. Face plate. Yes. Yes. yes that yep, one. That's the one. That's the one. Um, through, through about 1947 on the featherweights made in the U S they had that decorative scrolled face plate mm-hmm. and it's much more desirable. Yeah. Yes. I was looking for that when I was looking for a machine and, um, I ended up getting this other, the one in 1950 made in 1952, which has mm-hmm. just more of like the vertical, um, it's right, like the striped. striated lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is nice too. But man, I really wanted that scroll. But the, <laughs> right. but this other machine was in such better shape and condition that it, it, mm-hmm. it didn't make sense just to buy it just because of that plate. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the story of the featherweight shop and how it came uh, to sure. be. 
So mom, my mom, April, she, when me, when Ruthie and I, my sister were younger, she really wanted to make us um, clothes. She wanted to make them herself and she wanted to find the perfect machine to do that. And she had a new machine, but mom's always been attracted to vintage things. So she wanted to find a vintage machine. So she searched and searched and figured out that the featherweight was the one that she wanted. So eventually she got one and Singer, the, they made so many attachments and some of them are just an engineering marvel how they all work. And she could make clothes that had amazing features that uh, you wouldn't think would be possible. And Singer made all these attachments to do it and they would fit right on the featherweight. So she would, she'd make pajamas and dress shirts. She'd make ties and dresses for my sister all on the machine. So that's how, that's how we first got into the featherweight. Mm-hmm. And then mom would see more yard sales and pick them up. And at the time dad was a mortician, but he would work half time at the mortuary and then he would work on the machines, the other half. And then he would um, start to sell them and fix, fix them for others in the area. Mm-hmm. And then um, we realized that dad's um, expertise and knowledge of the machine was growing and it was essential to the budding business, you might say. So uh, he quit the mortuary and for, in about 2008 and started working full time at, it, then it was called April 1930. That was the name of the business back then. Oh, okay. Since the featherweight was in the 1930s and mom loves the 1930s. <laughs> so dad was started to work full time and kind of just went from there. Um, we moved to a different part of Idaho in, um, I think, about 2011. And we built our shop. So it was our first designated, the featherweight shop had its first designated location in I think 2016. And we've got several employees now who work on the machines and package orders and clean attachments. We're even starting to paint some featherweights now. So that's kind of a a quick overview of how we came to be. So, um, so really started with your mom and then right. dad joined and then you and your mm-hmm. sister are now, you're all part of it. You're- right, right. <laughs> I, I served my first featherweight when I was 13, I think. Oh, wow. And yeah, so then I, that's kind of when I started participating in the business and Ruthie, she's been learning to sew ever since she was probably two. Mm-hmm. And um, so now she... So with mom all the time, but she also helps with the business. She likes photography. So she takes a lot of product photographs and promotional photographs. Okay, great. And um, you, so I, I wasn't sure if your business was just online, but now you just said that in 2016, you actually opened like a physical location. Is that like for local people? I mean, is it actual like retail hours no no it's it's still it's still all pretty much online Mm -hmm. but with uh the now that we have our own designated location we do have advanced workshops on site okay so we have all the tools and supplies and everything we need there to teach an advanced workshop and that advanced workshop is for people that um, have are starting to get into featherweights more as a business or a a dedicated 
hobbyist who likes to work on a lot of them. Okay. All right. Good. So, um, part of that business is acquiring and, um, like you kind of like clean them up and fix them and refurbish them uh-huh, and then resell uh-huh. them in perfect right. condition. Right. As perfect as can be. Yes. Yeah. What I, I wonder, cause I know that a lot of, um, featherweights were produced during, you know, that mm-hmm. time, but will, do you think there ever will come a time where there's no more featherweights out there to, to buy? Or is this, is this always going to be like, you know, um, you'll a be few able years to ago, them. it seemed like that day, might be coming just the reality of the supply is indeed limited, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of machines out there that are either in really rough condition and not desirable or, um, in such poor condition that they can't even be used, Mm -hmm. abused. You might say they were abused, but now over the last few years, something that's becoming pretty popular is repainting the machines. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, we can take a featherweight that's in really rough condition and strip all the old paint off and completely put a new paint job on there, new decals, new clear coat and everything. So it looks brand new. It's now a desirable machine and one that works perfectly. So there are a lot of machines out there that aren't being used. And now with this new repainting ability, now we're bringing more machines into the market. So that day may come eventually, but the new repainting is definitely helping. That's helping. Okay. And um, it's it's not like with like wood antiques where if you like re- repaint it or something, it doesn't lose value. You're actually bringing value to it because right. it was right. rendered useless before. Correct. Yes, that's exactly right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And do you guys, um, you know, some people love the you know putting like the wild paints on there fuchsias uh-huh. and stuff like that and others are like you know classic put the black right. paint back on there and, and the decals back on there how, mm-hmm. how do you find like how many people really are which which side do they kind of tend to go with um there are definitely some purists out there that like just the black but i there's it's probably um 95% that are very attracted to the uh, wild colors, you might say. It's, it's oh, definitely wow. something to be appreciated. Yeah. 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 So that's interesting. Um, it, and I also think it just depends, too, on who's who's doing the painting, because I, I have seen right. some really beautiful uh-huh. um, colors and finishes yeah. on there, and I have seen not so attractive ones. So right, right. I, I sort of am on the side of like, oh, the black is just so beautiful, classic. And it you is, know, yeah. it's just, you know, because when it came out in the 30s, I mean, it's completely reflects that whole time of that art deco. And, oh, yes. Yes. and that that machine, I think still today is one of the most beautiful, mm-hmm. beautifully designed as well as functional out there right. that, you know, because it, the, the machines today with all the technology, just, they don't, they can't look as gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah, true. it really is a, a beautiful machine. So that's mm-hmm. good. Um, how often do new batches of machines come up for sale? Um, we have the first Tuesday of every month is what we call the featherweight fair. And we sell 
um, six to 10 featherweights each month on that first Tuesday of every month. Oh. For, Febru- for February, we're postponing that until February 21st and 22nd. We do a special um, promotion on those days because it's 221 and 222. Oh. The 221 <laughs> model was the main model of the featherweight, and then the 222 was the free arm edition that was made in the UK. Oh, so yeah. the, in February uh, this month, the machines will be uh, for sale on 221 and 222, but most every month it's on the first Tuesday. Okay. And you'd have an average of about six to 10 machines every month. That's pretty good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And most of them are still in their original condition. We've cleaned them on the inside and then polished and waxed them on the outside. And we do try to sell ones that are in very, very nice condition, even though they're original mostly. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of them are still original condition, but we do sell a few uh, repainted ones as well. Yeah. And um, I like on your website that you can go in and look at what's been sold, recently sold and see the photographs and stuff, because uh, that's kind of, right. I, it's interesting to see. And and people can kind of look and see, you know, what they like and uh-huh. um, what they need to look for. I And I didn't know it was the first Tuesday of the month. I just thought like, you know, you have to be on the newsletter because that's how I always learn about what's for sale. And then right. it's like sold out like so they quickly. They do sell out. They do sell out right away. So it is a good <laughs> idea to be on that newsletter. Yeah. They, they go up for sale at eight o'clock Pacific time. And sometimes they're all sold out by about eight fifteen. So that's crazy. That's, mm-hmm. It's good. It's good for you guys. It but is, yeah. I was shocked because I I clicked one time on the newsletter and, and on there and it was all sold. And I was like, what is going on here? This didn't come out that long ago, <laughs> this newsletter. Right, right, right. <laughs> I wish we could have more. I, I mean, uh, there's so many people that want them. I wish we could fill that need, but they're, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's still... Uh, a limited quantity and only enough hours in the day. So. Sure. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's another reason why I asked that question of like, you know, are, are, are you going to run out of featherweights? Because, um, I don't know, I would say, and I could be wrong, but this is just kind of mm-hmm. like when I started quilting around 2010 uh-huh. or whatever. And then I, I, that's when I, even I never even knew, and I have sewn before, like for a long time, sure. but I did, did not know about the featherweight and everything. Uh-huh. So I learned about that, and and quilters were collecting them, and then I had right. I had to have one. So uh-huh. <laughs> then I just did all this research, but um, there it's it seemed like that at that time, like there the the quilters just started to collect them, and now there's more demand yes. because yeah. of that. Is that there is for sure. Yeah. And the, and the price on them has definitely gone up over the last few years since we, since we started in about 2005. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is, it is noticeable how much the desirability has gone up. It has gone up since I, per, I purchased mine in 2014 and yeah. I mean, it's gone up a few hundred, several hundred dollars, I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. getting up there. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but you know, it's like that word of mouth and more people that use them and they see the dependability and the ease of maintenance on them. And I think that really kind of sells it as well. Plus the, you know, like like you said, they're 11 pounds and they're easy to, 
I mean, I, I picked up new machines. You'd think they would be lighter, but nope. Even some of the new ones, they are really heavy. Oh, yeah. They're at least 20 pounds, if not more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, all right. Uh, so, let's. I brought up the newsletter, and um, I think that that is the best way for people to kind of like stay in touch with what's going on with you guys, because you have a lot going on. And Uh for instance, like right now you're, you're right in the, we're almost done actually with this blog um, post thing that I like how you do it. It's almost like chapters of a book and every newsletter. Yeah. And there's a person that is um, like refinishing or refurbishing a a featherweight from start to end and that was even in kind of like sad shape, but I mean, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, it's been a, it's been fun to follow along with that. Yeah, so I think, um, yeah, it's a really interesting newsletter. So listeners need to to go on your website and sign up for that. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so the other thing I wanted to mention is that you are an online shop and right. you sell the machines, but. What I think is very unique about your business um, and paramount to your success is that you are there post-sale. You don't just sell the machines and be like, bye, see ya. Right, right. (laughs) You are there to help with everything. I mean, you are a one-stop shop, really. We 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 really try to be, but we we do think it's important that the customer can – realize that they can maintain that machine themselves and we want to provide whatever resources we can to keep them going. Yeah. And you do. I mean, there's many, I went through all the sections and you have like the schoolhouse stuff and Uh um, other tutorials on there, very good photographs. Um, So I I think that that's really, um, you know, customer service today is, is, is far and few between. It is my opinion. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and this is really like, you know, the service that was around, you know, before all a bunch of technology (laughs) was around. You know what I mean? It's very, very personal. And um, you obviously have a lot of loyal customers and Uh followers because things sell out immediately Yes, uh, that's true. Yeah. So um, and then just to list some of the resources, because you're a really good resource for everything featherweight. So go ahead and talk about Uh everything that you 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 offer. Okay. so one of our most popular things that people enjoy are the video tutorials. So we've got video tutorials for um, getting to know your featherweight, how to thread it, wind a bobbin and things like that. But there's also once for how to maintain it, how to oil it and grease the machine, keep it lubricated and going. And then there's there's also troubleshooting ones. I mean, it, it happens that you get a thread jam in the machine or um, break a needle or something and or a skip stitch. And those things, even though it seems daunting to try to troubleshoot or figure out what's going on, we try to provide resources for troubleshooting problems as well. And then we have um, some more fun things like we have historical posts that you can learn about the history of the machine and the history of Singer as well Mm. and how the featherweight came to be and how all the 
we have like the timeline. That one's fun because you can see all of the different changes that Singer made to the featherweight throughout almost its 40 years of production. Mm-hmm. And so that, that one's cool too. And then we have manuals that you can download. Those are, those are nice. We even have the original service manual that you can download for free on the website. If the machine needed retimed, the service manual can walk you through that. It's, it's, it can be done. It's not uh, as complex as it sounds. Hmm, okay, but. good. And, and and you also have everything that they would need f- to to sew whatever they want to sew. You have right. fa- fabrics and notions. Uh-huh. And, yep, right. And all yeah, of we, that. We try to have about everything, but I'm sure there's things mm-hmm. that we're always missing. But what's kind of cool, though, I notice is that you, you sort of keep it in um, the um, – style of you know and the timing of the machine where you have like the those um 1930 reproduction fabrics and oh right and right yes trims there's ribbons and everything so uh the, yes. i saw some fabrics that re- replicated like feed sack fabrics so uh-huh. um yeah that's that's really cool so um it's almost like a step back in time, but it's new fabric, but it's <laughs> right. right. And mom yeah. loves sewing with those thirties fabrics. Like I mentioned, she, she first started sewing uh, clothes for my sister and me, but she loves quilting now. And she, there's quilts all over the house now and <laughs> filled with those uh, replica 1930s fabrics. So let's talk about the quilting on there then um, because the featherweight machine is small and there's right. not not a lot of space between the needle and, you know, the neck of the machine or whatever it's called. Right. Um, right. So does she actually quilt the quilts on that machine as well? She doesn't quilt the larger quilts. It can do it. And I have seen people that have quilted even a king size quilt on the featherweight. It can do it. Wow. <laughs> you, the motor, you do want to take breaks if you're going to do that. You do want to take breaks. But it, it's not what it was meant for. Back in the day, quilting wasn't even really much of a thing, uh, machine quilting especially. Mm-hmm. But um, it was geared more towards apparel, but it's now transferred over into the uh, quilting side. And it's performing wonderfully for piecing especially. It's perfect. Yeah. But quilting, she has quilted some smaller quilts, like some baby quilts um, on the machine. It can, it can mm-hmm. do it. So, yeah, I think so. I mean, because it like you were talking about the stitch um, and and uh, it almost to me um, has like a very strong. I don't know if it's the motor or uh-huh. or what it is that makes that stitch almost like a, a semi industrial type of a right of a stitch. Right, right. Um, a lot of machines now, the it's not necessarily a bad thing, but the way that the hook is positioned is usually either on like you load the bobbin from the top or you load the bobbin from the front. So the stitch is going to be in an exact straight line, but the featherweight loads the bobbin from the end. And that's why the featherweight stitch um, is a little bit, each stitch is just a little bit slanted, but it, it looks it looks beautiful. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. So um, the bobbin on the end. Right. Yeah. And and we should mention that the Singer Featherweight machine is a straight stitch only machine. Right. Straight stitch only. Yes. Right. But it does have attachments that yes. you could, it, 
isn't there a zigzag attachment? There is. Singer made a zigzagger and it works very well. Like a zigzag machine, the needle is moving, but the zigzag attachment that you put on the featherweight, it moves the fabric. But it comes with four different uh, stitch patterns, but they sold extra sets as well. So there's a total of, I think, uh, 16 different patterns that you can use with that uh, original Singer zigzagger that goes on the featherweight. Wow. That's, that's yeah, it's, interesting. <laughs> it is. It's really amazing to watch those attachments work. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you were mentioned that it was really meant for, for apparel sewing. And mm-hmm. the other machine, the 222, is the right. free arm. And, uh-huh. and that means that the um, – explain what that free, free arm does. Right. So the whole – if you looked at it from a distance, the 221 and a 222, it would be hard to tell the difference. But the 222, the whole bed comes off and it opens up to that really, really small free arm. It's probably just a couple inches in diameter. And so you could put very small cuffs on that. So it it would work well for even um, very small children's clothes. Mm. But it has that option. But it also, the 222 can also lower the feed dogs for free motion embroidery and darning as well. (gasps) Really? It can, yep. Oh. So on a two two one, you can do free motion and quilting, but you have to use a cover plate. But right. the two 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 can drop those feed dogs. Oh, I didn't know that. See, this is very educational. <laughs> 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 that two 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 though is, um, I think, uh, less less supply, right? Because it's it's For definitely sure. more yes. expensive because there's there's not as many out there as the two two ones, right? Yes, there were far less 222s than 221s. Okay. And they were never sold here in the U.S. They were sold some in Canada, but mainly in the U.K. and Europe. Wow, I wonder why that was. Huh. Um, They weren't made here in the U.S. They were made in the, in Singer's largest factory, which was in Scotland. They were made there. Um, So they shipped them to Canada, but they didn't didn't send them here to the U.S. Oh. (laughs) And they didn't make them in the U.S. factory, so. Right. Okay. The the 222s they didn't make. Right. Um, right. Okay. Because they did make the 221s in the, the New Jersey factory, right? That was the U.S.? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay, good. Um. All right. And then uh, the other thing, you know, I thought was interesting, too, is that you have incorporated um, – modern day products to work with these machines. So like I saw some right. so steady tables that can fit uh-huh. around it, uh, which is yes, great for quilters. Really popular. Uh-huh. They're, they're popular. Oh, very popular. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I could see how that could be really popular. And um, the, um, the, the featherweight actually, when it came out, they also sold a wood table, with a drop mm-hmm. drop in. I was actually right. lucky enough to find one for my, Oh wow! yes, I know. Uh, so, and it is, it is solid wood uh-huh. with a really pretty finish. It's heavy. Yes. And it's like, it a, is, yeah. it's like a card table. Cause the legs right. kind of fold out and snap into place. Yeah. Um, but I just thought that was interesting how things, how, how they sold it and how people were using it back then. 
Um, right, it's right. very interesting. But now you you guys have arrow tables that pretty much do, accomplishes yep. the same thing. Right, right. And the arrow tables roll around as well, so they're somewhat portable. So oh, that's nice. That is nice. All right, cool. Um, and then uh, you you have workshops at your your location in Idaho, uh-huh. um, and then also there there's things that you do with the community, like there's, there's monthly quilting sew alongs and, and that kind of talk about that because it sort of like went worldwide then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see the sew alongs. I don't know much about the sew alongs. That's (laughs) not necessarily what that's not, I don't participate in it. (laughs) <laughs> very much. I, I don't sew. I do love the featherweights. I love working on them. And mm-hmm. I really love history, but um, I don't sew very much. Uh, yeah. There's one of the gals in the shop and um, she's she's getting married in a couple months and every everybody in the shop is making a block for a quilt for her. Oh. So I've got to make a quilt block and I'm, I'm going to um, enlist mom and Ruthie's help for that. But yeah, the sew along, everybody, everybody seems to be loving the sew along. So we do those every month mm-hmm. and I think they're, um, there's like, um, groups, smaller groups, I think that participate as well. I think is how that works, but yes, it's we've got a pretty big community going on there. It's huge. It, it really is. Um, I just, like scrolled down the list and then I looked up my state and there's only two that do it uh-huh. in my state. Um, and, but like they're all over the place. There's just uh, tons and tons of them. So, you know, th- you guys have sort of inspired people that, you know, are not close to your workshop to right. kind of get together amongst themselves that have that common, you know, thread of having a featherweight machine and yes. they get together and it's really cool. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're glad to be able to do that. It is. I, so that's, I mean, that's part of like that strong, you know, customer base that you've grown and has become like a true community um, of, of people who, who like to stay in touch with each other. So. Yes. Yes. Community is a great word for it. Yep. Yeah. All right. Great. Okay. Speaking of stuff selling out right away. Uh-huh. <laughs> your your newsletter that came out just like a week ago was that uh-huh. the first time that you announced like registration for this Alaskan cruise? It was, yep. Okay, and, and we're like a week later, and it sold out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Alaska one, um, it's been filling up fast, but I just talked to celebrity just a few days ago, and we do have more rooms left. Oh, okay. Because on your website it says sold out, but um, if I, you know what, I would not never be able to do that. I would love to, but (laughs) I am so I get so seasick that. Well, it was it was we did it last year in the Caribbean, and it was a blast. It's it's a lot of fun. I'm so envious. I'm very envious (laughs) of people who can be on the water. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's cool. And then um, I saw that there's retreats at Missouri Star. Uh, as well throughout the yes. summer and those are all right. sold out. <laughs> yes. Those sell out really fast. Yep. Those, there's a big following on those and we've been doing them every year for the last few years. And yeah, those are a lot of fun as well. Oh, they must be because they seem to yes. be very popular. 
Yes, so, they are. All right. Well, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to, you know, promote or or what's going on with the featherweight shop. Um, let's see. Uh, I mentioned that uh, featherweight days, the 221 and 222 mm-hmm. days are coming up. Those are really big sale days that we do each each year. So stay tuned for those. Mm-hmm. And um, we, yeah, we've got the, the Alaska cruise coming up. That one will be a blast. Mm-hmm. And we've got Missouri Star in the summer. Our advanced workshops are going to be available pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be putting out the dates for those. And, um, let's see, we do a featherweight birthday sale each October. The featherweight was first produced on October 3rd of 1933. So we do a October 3rd sale every year. And then our Christmas, uh, black Friday and 12 days of Christmas sales. Those are, everybody always loves those. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's good. Oh, and then we, we went to uh, the Houston Quilt Festival oh. uh, for the first time last year. That was a total blast. We love doing that, so we're uh, planning on going back this year. Oh, great! Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to meet us, come come see us in Houston. Oh, great! That's wonderful. Um, those I wanted to ask those advanced workshops that you do. Do people um, come out of t- from out of town and just to attend some of those, or is it they 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 sure do? Yep, they okay. fly in. Uh, I think we even have had some people come down from Canada. Um, the advanced workshops, people come to those and then they leave and they're often uh, going to go teach classes or they want to uh, fix up machines for their local quilt guild or sell machines in their area. So the advanced workshops are another way to um, keep the featherweight community going and keep the interest coming to areas that we um, can't, I mean, we could can reach, but not, we aren't there all the time. So it keeps a um, a featherweight presence, somebody that has knowledge of the machines in a lot of different areas. So, right, right. Okay. Very good. And I I actually just thought of another question now. Sure. Um, so the Singer Featherweight is is just a specific model of a Singer machine. And uh-huh. um, Singer has other machines like the 301 and the 1590. Right. Um, uh-huh. But you guys really just choose to specialize in the Featherweights, right? Right, right. We specialize in the Featherweights. The 301 is often called the big sister to the Featherweight because it is made out of cast aluminum. Okay. Um but it's a slant shank machine and it's a lot of different parts, but the bobbin case area and th- that section of the machine is the same as the featherweight. The bobbin case is the same. So the 301 is similar and, and different, but mm-hmm. a lot of the other machines that Singer made during that same time period as the featherweight were low shank, like the 15 or the later 66 machines or 201, 99 so a lot of the featherweight attachments fit on those as well. So even though we specialize in the featherweight, a lot of the accessories and attachments roll over into um, other machines as well. For oh. instance, like the yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just thought about that because um, the 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 lot of the accessories like the the presser feet and walking foot. 
Um, right. They're they're pretty like universal. Uh huh. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah, like the one product that we just came out with is the thread post, and that goes on the spool of the featherweight, slides down on there, and then the um, you can put a cross-wound spool of thread like Orofil that's not meant to unwind from the side. It's meant to the thread is meant to feed off the top. So you can use a spool like Orofil, it's one of the most common threads today, on the featherweight and use it use the spool how it was intended to be used. So we designed it with the featherweight in mind, but the spool pin is like the same size on a 15 or a 99, a 66. So it works on those machines as well. Oh, all right. Cool. Yeah, because I, I, I know that's uh, a lot of people – um, they have the big machines and the featherweights. Yeah. So right. it's a real common, common combination, I guess. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Like the 201 is a fantastic machine and it, and it will do more um, heavy sewing than a featherweight will. It will do it um, with a little bit more efficiency. So okay. yeah, even, even though they aren't um, as portable, they, they have their strengths as well. Right. Right. Yeah, so there's, I mean, if, if, if people are just getting interested in vintage machines, um, Featherweight is, is just one of them, but it's, it's one of the most popular, I think, and the most, port- right. most portable and, yes. um, yeah, uh, and, and the bigger ones um, are definitely heavy. <laughs> they are, yeah, yeah. So, but they're pretty reliable and dependable. For sure. Yes. Very. Yeah. All right. Well, Christian, thank you so much for coming on the show and share to share where people can find you, your website. And maybe if you are on Instagram, I don't I don't remember if you have a Facebook group. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, we've got a few different places. Um, We we're on Instagram and Facebook um, under just the featherweight shop. And then our website is um, singer dash featherweight dot com. And once you get to the website, you can sign up for the newsletter through there. And then we also have a Facebook group that's Featherweight, um, Singer Featherweight 221 and 222 Sewing Machines. And that's really popular. That's where people share what they've made and often ask questions, uh, maybe a problem that they're having with their machine or a concern. And that's got a lot of members on there and people are can learn and help with what expertise they may have. So the group, that Facebook group is a fun place as well. Okay, great. Very good. Yeah. Like I said, you guys are a very great resource for anything and everything featherweight. Well, thank you. We we try to get as much out there as we can. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, learned something new about the collectible Singer Featherweight Machines. And uh, to you, Quilcon. Quilcon? It's like Calgon, take me away. No, Quilcon attendees. Oh my gosh, have so much fun. Uh, One day I will be at Quilcon. I'm telling you, I tell this to you every year, but one day... I will get my act together and plan for it ahead of time. All right. Keep it quilty. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Make and Decorate podcast. The podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Stephanie Socha. Until next time, have a great day.
Bye.